Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober. The podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Um, And today I'm delighted to be joined by Rachel May. And uh, Rachel and I know each other from the sober sphere, don't we? Going back. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's just super exciting because um, she has recently qualified as a life coach. So we'll dive into that. Sounds like there's been transitions there. And she has... Um, just authored a new book called Radically Sober. I'm going to hold it up just in case we do put this on YouTube. Um, Radically Sober, create a brave, bold and alcohol-free life. So hell to the air to that. So welcome, Rachel. It's lovely to see you. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's like yeah. a bit of a dream come true right now. Oh, <laughs> well, no, thanks for coming on and speaking to me. Um, yeah so just yeah really lovely to to see you basically and we always start with that kind of check-in don't we usually so how how are you today I'm good yes yeah. I'm, I feel good actually um I've had quite a, a busy day um and I've got my my puppy here with me so I'm just hoping she's going to behave but yeah I'm feeling pretty good I'm pretty rested actually which is quite um feel like it's quite rare for me um to actually feel quite rested really trying to you know keep on top of the self-care and look after myself um and kind of practice what I preach as much as possible so yeah I'm good Mm. oh brilliant and it just feels like that I don't know if you feel like this but it's just lightening up a bit out there yes that sense of spring might just be around the corner I don't want to jinx it because then we'll get snow or something won't we yeah no it does make such a massive difference I've definitely noticed it kind of in the Mm. afternoon I'm like oh it's actually staying lighter a bit longer and some days it's like oh it feels a touch warmer some days Um, yeah yeah Yeah. I love spring spring summer (sighs) winter not so much (laughs) yeah 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 I usually really (laughs) struggle through January and I've it's really weird because this year I've been quite interested in the whole concept of wintering and I've been really banging on about it so I really apologize to anyone listening who's like oh no she's not going on about wintering again (laughs) but it's seemed really like necessary this year and I've kind of gone with it I've not forced myself to do stuff in January I've just slept rested you know I've had a bit of long Covid go on but this week I do feel like I'm I don't know just feel lighter and I feel excited again and I have not felt excited for quite a while like a few Mm -hmm. months and I was like I said to Mandy now I don't want to jinx this as well I was like I went "Mm, maybe my wintering is complete (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe let's see let's see if I enter a spring kind of renaissance and renewal let's just watch this space right (laughs) oh so we always start don't we after our checking just by if you could tell us why you know you came to the decision to go alcohol free do you mind sharing a bit of that with us no absolutely I was trying to kind of think a little bit before this conversation of like how did I even come to be alcohol free um and I feel like I could probably talk about this forever so I won't you know I'll try and keep it a bit concise um so I, I'm 33. I was 30 when I kind of got sober for good. 
um, which I think is probably relatively young. Um, and I suppose I first, I first even questioned my drinking uh, probably when I was about 25. Um, sobriety didn't seem like an option then at all, but it was the first time that it even occurred to me that, you know, I could actually question my relationship with alcohol. Um, at the time, I'd actually moved to Vietnam for a year because um, I used to be an English teacher and live abroad. Um, and I think something about stepping outside the kind of Western world and the kind of dominant drinking culture made me question my drinking for the first time. And it, I wasn't really drinking very much then. Um, and I got really into kind of yoga and mindfulness and spirituality um and kind of holistic health and and that was probably what prompted the the thinking about my drinking um I would say yeah my drinking just followed very kind of typical UK British you know pattern of starting to drink when I was quite young um probably like 14 even before mm -hmm. that really um and it was all quite normalized um and then obviously went to university and a lot of binge drinking, going out. Um, and I always was someone who would black out at times, not every time I drank, but en but enough times that I kind of knew, okay, this isn't great. Um, but it was always very easy just to shrug it off and move on and it just be an amusing story. Um, so yeah, it it wasn't it didn't particularly trouble me when I was growing up, even though it was quite destructive, because everyone around me was pretty much doing the same thing. It was just so normalised, you know. So I didn't really question it. And as I said, it was only probably when I moved away from the kind of Western world that I started to even question it. Um, but obviously, yeah. So that was when I was twenty five, and I didn't get sober for good till I was thirty. So that's five years mm. in between. Um, so in those years, I would go through quite a lot of cycles of being alcohol free for a period and then going back to drinking. So I do kind of dry January or say October or I do like a 90 day challenge. But it was always very much about kind of proving that I didn't need alcohol and that I could be without alcohol. And it was always it was almost like I had to redeem myself after mm. like a particularly bad binge. So for example, like I can remember a time when I went on a friend's Hindu in Brighton and we started drinking at lunchtime and I, you know, by the evening, well, I, I didn't even make it out to the club. I was kind of so drunk. I'd been put to bed. Um, and the next day just feeling that kind of shame and regrets so pretty much immediately I was like, right, I'm stopping drinking for like three months. So I did. But the issue with that was that it was always, there was always like an expiration date on that. So it was always like, okay, well, I've redeemed myself now. I can go back to drinking. And whenever I did go alcohol free, it was always very much about deprivation. I kind of, I was single at the time and I'd kind of stopped dating. I wouldn't really go out, didn't do any kind of work on myself didn't get support didn't find a sober community didn't do any like any more self-care I didn't you know I just kind of made my life a bit miserable um mm. so it's no wonder you know each time I would go back to drinking um 
And I think a big reason that I would always go back to drinking was that there was no, at the time, you know, I was kind of single girl in my mid to late 20s living in the UK, wanting to have a social life and wanting to date. I didn't see anyone around me who was sober. I didn't see any representation of anyone who was living a kind of positive, happy, successful life who was sober. There was just nothing. Um, I'm sure, you know, if I could have, I could have searched it out somewhere, but I didn't find anything. And so it just felt very much like it was just me on my own having this struggle that no one in my life seemed to have. It seemed to just be me. No one else seemed to be troubled by their drinking. Um, And friends would even say to me, like, oh, Rachel, like, you're being so all or nothing. Just moderate, like, just, you know, have a glass or two. Like, it's no big deal. Like, all these very well-meaning, loving comments, um, you know, because my friends didn't struggle, they didn't understand what I was going through. Um, And it was very easy to kind of listen to them and, or, or, you know, or just kind of, think okay sobriety is not an option um it's like you're not bad enough to do the sober thing isn't it yeah yeah so much so it was like it was very much like I was waiting for Mm. permission to stop drinking I was waiting for someone to tell me oh it's okay you don't have to drink Mm. and everyone around me was saying oh just moderate you know so so anyway obviously something had to change So then I became a secondary school teacher in the UK um, and I found it very difficult, very stressful, took over all my time. I was just quite miserable. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were elements of the job which I absolutely loved. Like I absolutely loved the teaching, but all the kind of admin, all the pressure, all the just everything. Um, I relate to that. I used to teach as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so then I think things took a slightly different turn. I moved away from the city where I'd been living for the last few years, um, back to kind of my hometown. And I was living in a flat, um, sometimes by myself, and then sometimes I had a flatmate. Mm. And I think it was around that time that my drinking, again, so the outside world didn't look problematic particularly, but I just, I just knew that I was using alcohol to numb out, to manage anxiety. At that time, I was getting quite bad panic attacks from basically from the teaching, really. Like I just felt very trapped. Um, And yeah, the way I managed that was with alcohol. Not always, you know, sometimes I'd do positive things like go for a run. Um, But you know, when you're exhausted, and you've got loads of work in front of you, and all the rest of it it's very easy just to you know have some wine it's very easy for it to feel normal you know it's like oh, I'm going to cook myself a nice dinner and have a glass or two of wine and that's fine but it just never really felt fine to me um anyway then eventually so this is like 2019 I decided to leave teaching and it was quite dramatic um I just basically one day just I just couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> I'd had like a weekend of nonstop panic attacks. I hadn't slept in about three days. And up, up until this point, I'd never told anyone that I was struggling with the teaching. I'd never told anyone about any of my struggles. Um, I, I felt like it would be weakness to admit that I couldn't cope with it. Yeah. Um, 
but anyway luckily I did I suppose it's one of those things where like it did get so bad in terms of like my mental health and how I was feeling that I did leave teaching um and then it was very much like I was kind of in I don't know I, I guess I felt a bit like I was in free fall or very weird time like I left teaching and I, I literally didn't go back to the school I got signed off work by the GP um and so I kind of said it's so funny sorry to jump in here exactly the same happened to me when I was like really? 33 oh yes. my goodness yeah I just oh. had a, such a bad stomach cramp just one day I went to lunch yeah I was in the staff room picked up my lunch started yeah. to eat it had a really bad stomach cramp went to the GP uh, like you know went to the, like the staff yeah. medical thing um started crying cried so much they sent me home got signed off by the doctor never went back <laughs> oh we're like the best teachers ever that makes me feel like so much better I'm like oh, it's more so of weird it's so weird yeah. I went to India you went to Vietnam I went to India oh we've got like weirdly parallel stories just like a yes. you know, couple of decades apart <laughs> but anyway oh. it's not about me carry on oh, yeah no I appreciate that I really do um, yeah yeah, it was very bizarre. I on the Thursday, I, I I was fine, kind of thing, and then on the Friday, had this meltdown, and kind of by the Monday, after having not slept for those nights and just having nonstop panic attacks, I was like, okay, well, yeah, I, I physically can't go back. Um, anyway, so left teaching, which I'd put so much into, you know, and it was really a vacation, and then I, it didn't work. Um, so I guess I was pretty heartbroken over that and just pretty destroyed. Um, but at the same time, I felt, I knew it was kind of like the right thing to do. I knew, I'd known going into like being a secondary school teacher that it was going to be a gamble as to whether it would be for me or not. And mm -hmm. it wasn't. So anyway, for that, the next kind of month, I was a bit all mm -hmm. over the place. I got prescribed diazepam by the doctor for anxiety and I got prescribed sleeping tablets from insomnia and then I was still drinking on top of that mm. probably like every day and that's that just sounds like an absolute disaster zone um yeah that sounds awful um yeah but yeah <laughs> I know I mean I, I relate to that as well in terms of that yeah. coming you know all that stress all that mm. exhaustion and then still using the coping mechanisms in a way that had worked before that weren't working and also that society says are completely normal yeah exactly you know, so if yeah exactly I mean you but, look back and just go oh my god that just yeah it's like it's kind of terrifying right but yeah, at the time it doesn't yeah. you don't see it like that no, and yeah. I also didn't realise at the time that the diazepam was actually making my anxiety way worse because it has a really strong, um, like if you take it, it's a bit like mm. drinking, then you have a rebound kind of thing where it can right. then make you more anxious. So it, it it can just get you into a really like negative place. Anyway, so that period was very short lived of kind of medicating. Mm. Um, because I wasn't working um it meant I could drink more I suppose and the the kind of everything came to a head when I had like a family event that I went to and it was like a Saturday night and I knew that I didn't have work on the Monday so I didn't plan to drink loads and loads but that's kind of what happened um just naturally like just at a kind of dinner party um 
and just drank so much and then was just like blackout drunk I didn't remember like the last three hours of the night Um, and the next morning I was supposed to go on a run with some of my family members in the countryside and I was just I could not move you know that awful Mm. hangover and I think that was kind of my tipping point where I was like I can't do this anymore (laughs) and also Mm. I I just could see so clearly that I was at a real crossroads moment of like okay do I you know do I carry on down what's become a bit destructive of a path you know um or do I like literally kind of start my life again from scratch and I think because I left the teaching which was such a um exacerbator of my drinking now that I didn't have the teaching stressing me out I was like okay well this is like the time when I should I could actually stop drinking now like I couldn't have faced it when I was still teaching but yeah something about not being inside that anymore I was like okay like if there's ever a time to stop like this is it and I also think what was so key was that I really got to that point where a I knew moderation didn't work for me because I tried it before mm. and b I suddenly just didn't really care what anyone else thought of me you know, I just was like, I don't care if people like judge me for not drinking or they think something's wrong with me or, you know, if it's inconvenient for people, like I don't care anymore. Like I have to do what is best for me. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of the whole thing. Yeah. Coming to my yeah. head. really. And it's really interesting, like listening to you talking as well, because it almost feels like breaking up with teaching prepped you a little bit for breaking up with booze because you'd already gone through sort of almost like a self like I don't want to have to necessarily stop this and give this up and but you'd gone through a a kind of a loss hasn't you because you you know and faced that it's almost like training wheels for that the, the next bit that's that's such a good point actually and I'd also yeah it was like a 2019 was like a year of just I guess of loss and of, of changing my life because I also I'd been single for a while and I'd I'd got kind of a few I don't know like situationships going on and it was all a bit my dating life was all a bit of a mess um and around the same kind of time I was like right I'm gonna have a complete break from dating as well so it's like no more teaching no more booze no more dating <laughs> just like take all of it away and start again like reset like pressed a reset button on my life <laughs> and what and how old would you were you did you say I was 30 yeah yeah I yeah. think that's right yeah I was I was 30 nearly 31 yeah. so after you wandered in the wilderness mm. for all of that time and and did your kind of <laughs> it's literally like you went into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and came back having talked to the devil or something mm. so it feels like <laughs> um quite sort of a profound yeah like a quite a profound period of time right so what happened next what was your kind of like re-entry point what what did you do to yeah Mm. yeah so I guess yeah so true what you say but yeah I guess sobriety became my absolute focus I suppose and the the kind of foundation of everything from that point onwards um so that really helps me it helps me like have a focus and and yeah and I suppose kind of get support for the first time ever you know I suddenly was like why have I been keeping all of this to myself and I found you know like all the the quitlet the podcasts um you know including your 
podcast love sober which was you know so instrumental to me getting sober um and I found soberistas as well and started blogging and I just I just started to actually let myself be seen and be vulnerable and speak my truth and stop denying my pain because for so long I'd you know I never told anyone that I was struggling really with the teaching um I'd never really mentioned about I'd never spoken to anyone about my drinking really um but yeah I suppose sobriety became my my real focus and then it was very much about being really intentional about everything in my life so being really intentional with you know what I was going to do for work or was I going to date um yeah just kind of really pressing the reset button um and yeah I didn't date for like over a good a good year or so um from from when I got sober which for me was like quite a massive adjustment um I just knew that I needed time to kind of be and heal yeah I Um, love that I love what you what you're saying and it sounds like you know it just sounds like the welcome mat to self-leadership to me it's like what a growing up you know what a you know what a big girl pants moment (laughs) like it's so weird because now it's like three years later like this was 2019 that all this went down so I always say like 2019 was like my year of reckoning in every Mm. single way and then 2020 was like for me it was like the world's like collective reckoning you know with like the pandemic and and it was kind of frustrating because just as I was getting ready to emerge into the world, you know, like this amazing butterfly, ready to date and ready to like do all the things. That was like the moment that we went back in, you know, we kind of, that everything happened and lockdown happened. Um, So then I was like, oh yeah, that was, that was difficult actually, because I was so ready to kind of emerge. Um, Mm. But I did meet my partner in July, 2020, which you know was huge as well um well I want to dive into these the, this bit because yeah we, because we're going out we're going to put this out straight away and next Monday is Valentine's Day we thought there's this big part of you I mean there's lots and lots of stuff in your book and, and it's really it's so relatable and it talks about your journey you've got you've sort of threaded your journey of your blogs throughout it in a such a relatable way and some really good tips and tools and when I got to the bit about you you know the sober dating and the sober relationships and that part it's like I went like breaks put my foot on the brake because I was like I haven't seen I haven't heard much about this topic. And we, we said that, didn't we, before we got yeah. on? Yeah. And, um, and obviously Mandy and I, are, you know, we're older and we've been married for a while. So we don't have that fresh perspective on it. So I was really hoping that we could dive into that and you could tell us, yeah, you're, you know, the dating 101 and how, how it was, how you do it, what, what, what are the good bits, what are the scary bits, you know, tell just, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think when I, well, when I wrote the book, I think I I mentioned it, the chapters that I was most excited to write about was, you know, the two chapters um, on dating and then relationships in sobriety. Um, Because yeah, I think similar to you, like I don't, I'm sure there are people out there talking about it, but I don't, I haven't really seen much about kind of dating and sobriety or relationships and sobriety. And I do think 
it's such a rich area so yeah it's one that I'm more than happy to talk about um so yeah as I said when I first got sober I was I, I was single but I and I was very but I I'd been kind of entangled with you know a crush of mine for a couple of years um and I I kind of decided once I got sober like I need to cut off all contact with you know all the exes and just start afresh um and I didn't necessarily plan to not date for like a year or so um I know I remember like I knew there was that AA saying that's like or or kind of advice that you shouldn't date in the first year of sobriety or whatever Mm -hmm. um and every so often I would kind of find myself like downloading a dating app or whatever in like early sobriety but something inside me just knew that that was just not what I needed at that time like I just needed time for myself so I'm actually really pleased that I did take that time for myself and just really focus on on being sober and getting really healthy and really strong um and then yeah I was about a year or so sober when I started to kind of dip my toe back into the world of dating um and I knew that what I wanted was ultimately you know a partner a life partner um I knew that that's what I wanted and I think for me it was about being really like intentional with anything that I was doing and just being really mindful of like what I was looking for and not wasting my time on guys who just you know that's not what they wanted I don't want any fillers no exactly I was like come on Rachel like you're 31 I think I was at this point maybe I can't remember now um you know what you want you know who you are you know yeah, no time wasters please <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like a job advert. yeah yeah what and yeah it was it was interesting I think because I was sober now and like I, I finally had like boundaries and I mm. really matured and I was in a really kind of emotionally healthy place I really thought that whoever I met when I was sober would be like the one or you know such a good person and actually the first guy I dated in sobriety turned out to be a massive time waster um <laughs> I thought you were gonna say something else it's <laughs> a polite way of putting it yeah um yeah he was <laughs> yeah, this was like yeah uh he was just an idiot um so I learned a valuable lesson from that it was like okay just because I've done all this work on myself and I'm feeling great about myself and feeling fabulous it doesn't necessarily mean that the universe is gonna present yeah. me with this wonderful person I still have to be really discerning mm-hmm. um and I had ignored a few red flags you know because it just didn't quite go with the story in my head of oh well they're going to be perfect because I'm sober now and I deserve someone mm-hmm. amazing so it definitely didn't go like that so um there were a few bad eggs to start with um so yeah I think you still have to be possibly even more discerning um and then I did meet you know my partner but I do remember the kind of anxiety at the beginning of like, oh, do I, you know, just in terms of like a dating app, like, do I put on my profile that I'm sober or do I not? Like, how do I navigate this? Because it's, you know. And what did you do? Did you put it on there? I'm trying to remember now. I think I think I tried a different, a, a couple of different things, but then I decided no, because it wasn't, I didn't really want it to define me. Yeah. And, you know, I thought, well, no, because it's not who I am necessarily. It's just a part of me. Um, But I would. And and what I tried to do was. Kind of 
organized dates yeah. where I don't know, like I just took a bit, a bit of a different approach. You know, if the guy was all about just going to a bar and, you know, I got the sense that they might just want, you know, they might just want one thing or I kind of was just a bit more discerning. Um, and I, I did, to be fair, I remember the guy who turned out to not be great. I did tell him beforehand once we'd arranged a date, which was like dinner and then drinks, I was like, I'll just say, you know, like I don't, I don't drink alcohol, but you know, just tried to kind of keep it quite relaxed. Mm. And he was like, oh, okay, well, that's no big deal, you know. And we did have a great first date. I think he had like one or two drinks and I just had a soft drink and like, it really was fine. Um, I was really nervous before the date. And I know that previously I would have definitely had like, a drink or two for kind of Dutch courage mm. which I think is so common you know on yeah. first dates it's kind of so normal mm-hmm. like normalized you know yeah so there is a certain amount of resilience I think you have to bring to a first date whether it's like a daytime thing or an evening thing or whatever it is mm. you're bound to have those kind of anxious nerves it's like um, stage fright isn't it that. yeah exactly but I would just tell myself like you know you, it's fine to feel anxious it's just because you're excited you know that's fine um and then you know it would quickly go so I think it's worth just noting that you're probably going to feel that way but that's okay you can get through it um and then I quite liked organizing kind of daytime things like go for a walk or get a coffee um and I think because of COVID like it was very normal to like yeah like that's normal now isn't it like to meet someone for a walk you know yeah um yeah I don't know and then yeah then I met my my current partner um and I think I didn't tell him that I didn't drink probably for like first couple of dates because our first couple of dates were just we just went on a walk around the park um and then it was just never a big deal and he's um he's like a social drinker but he literally only drinks when he kind of meets up with like his guy friends and they all go for like I don't know you know like a kind of like the rugby guys go out and they all probably all drink too much or like a stag deal or something um yeah. but alcohol just does not feature in our life at all like we've it just it's just not a thing like if we go out for dinner he doesn't drink or if we go to like a family event he doesn't drink um he's just literally not fussed about alcohol at all um which is so it's it's lovely you know Mm. it just doesn't feature in our life um I did think beforehand like when I first started dating I was like oh do I would I date a drinker would I need someone sober and I did kind of like ponder this for a while um but I, I and I kind of said to myself well I think it's fine for me to date a drinker so long as they're not like a like a really problematic drinker who's you know going out all the time binge drinking and who's a hungover mess like that I definitely could Mm. not have dealt with um but yeah you know the it it, for me it it works really well what we Mm. have um because alcohol yeah it's just not really a thing um I love the fact that you know it's that it can be like that because I know certainly for me back in the day it was like I mean dating was drinking mm. it just wouldn't I would I just would be unthinkable not to have a drink on a date I 
even if we went to the cinema it'd be like well, we'll have a drink before you know it, it was so part of the fabric and it's just yeah. so refreshing to hear that actually yeah it can and be I, yeah yeah and I think I'm sure like I'm sure there's lots of people who, to whom dating is just drink you know drinking and mm-hmm. they're just so synonymous um but I think you can I don't know you can find people who it's not a big deal you know and I don't know like there are other possibilities out there you know um do you know I often think as well you know say for example so my husband and I have been together for uh, yeah I can't even remember how long (laughs) it's a long time now and I remember when we stopped when I when I stopped drinking and it because it got to the point with me you know and I was really I I he was really bored of me saying I wanted to quit every weekend when I was hungover so I didn't tell him for a little bit and then mm-hmm. it was fine but it I had I felt it had become so part of our relationship mm. and actually I was really pleased to find out that it wasn't and I felt quite sad that I'd sold us so short and I find that I hear that kind of with other people, you know, if it's if you've got a kind of a pretty good relationship, you know, if, there's, if you've got love, if you have got some, even if it that has almost morphed into the one shared interest, mm. that there is life afterwards and that you can. Yeah, like I said, there was so much more and I feel like, wow, that was so symptomatic of how much importance I'd put on alcohol fake importance and so much fear mm. around what it would look what it would mean if I stopped you know yeah. yeah absolutely well that's great I mean yeah I know you know people in my life who you know they're in a relationship and you know alcohol features heavily and then one of them decides to get sober I think that is a that is probably in a sense almost a more tricky spot than I found myself in in a way because for example in my relationship it's just always been the way you know we've never known anything more you know you could design it and you'd said intent be intentional rather than try to extricate your yourself from it somehow like now it would just be weird if I ever did drink that Mm. that would be weird um but I think you're right like there's still ways you know it is possible you know to um kind of renegotiate almost like the terms of your relationship and also like okay yeah we we do have so much apart from this this thing Mm. um and I think so much of that is so much of it is conditioning isn't it the fact that you know you do drink a lot with your partner or whatever um so it's just kind of taking back ownership of like oh no actually we can have a relationship that looks different and works for us yeah so what um what's much better about a relationship that bit about it the dating not drinking as opposed to the drinking mm-hmm. version oh yeah so well I can tell you for free that my experience was vastly different I mean I would yeah because I so I had a long-term boyfriend from the ages of like 18 to 25 um and then between 25 and I don't know, 31, I guess, I was like single um, and had little relationships, but they were never serious. So 
that's about I don't know six years of being single and and being a drinker and navigating that mm-hmm. um I, I don't know I think for me like being sober just makes everything so clear and it becomes so obvious when something isn't quite right so with dating you know when I was a drinker I would I think it was just quite messy like my romantic life was just quite messy and it felt quite difficult and I definitely wasted so much time on the wrong people and trying to pursue things that at my heart like in my heart I knew they weren't right but it was so easy just to brush that off and drinking definitely was a part of that because if I'd had the clarity that comes with being sober and the kind of integrity I just never would have put up with some of the stuff that I put up with for one like I never really had I guess sobriety has helped me have really strong boundaries and really high self-worth when when I was a drinker I never really thought about the fact that maybe I didn't have high self-worth I probably would have told you that I did but my actions through my drinking and kind of my romantic life told a different story and since I've been sober I might betray myself for like a moment but it's then about the fact that I come back to myself so much more quickly and I'm so connected to myself in sobriety that it becomes quite impossible to kind of follow inauthentic relationships or be with the wrong person or not be true to myself so I think yeah I think that's the difference and now that takes takes us on to a sort of a different angle then doesn't it in terms of there's that how do I relate my relationships with others but then actually the foundation is how do I relate to myself and what's my relationship with myself like so I mean tell you know you said about that kind of really being able to feel that self-worth piece the boundaries piece Mm. oh and I was just wondering what has helped you Mm. to yeah develop this relationship with yourself if you could take us through some of those yeah that's a really interesting question um and it's funny because before I was sober I I had been into like really into personal development for a few years and I'd you know journaled I'd had therapy um you know, I studied to be a nutritional therapist and all of these like really positive things. Um, and yet there was kind of this other side to me, this quite destructive side to me um, through the kind of like the drinking and the relationships, but also by kind of being in a career that just didn't suit me. Um, so, yeah, I think when when I got sober, it was really an act of it was like a real act of kind of radical self-care and and self-love and it was the first step to having that really kind of close connection to myself um I think because when I was a drinker I couldn't always trust myself because of the situations that I'd get myself into um and I think when I got sober, it's like, okay, I can really trust myself. Like I'm going to keep my promises to myself now. I'm not going to put myself in any harm. I'm going to do all the things I need to do to look after myself. I'm going to treat myself impeccably. Um, Yeah. And then I suppose, yeah, I kind of took out all the toxicity in my life. So then it was like just being really intentional and only doing things that were going to be positive for me um 
And I think, I definitely think like in early sobriety, you know, I really immersed myself in a lot of kind of quitlets and podcasts, and I'm sure they had a real impact on me. Um, but yeah, I think, I think when I used to get drunk and be hungover, it really damaged the relationship I had with myself because it was almost like I was two people. I was like this kind of wholesome person who was into personal development and who kind of knew themselves. But then I was also this other person who, you know, would do kind of more damaging things. It's like an incong- it's incongruous, isn't it? It's difficult yeah. to live with things that yeah, exactly. don't have an integrity to them. I think yeah I really felt like two people and it was yeah just kind of really confusing and I think since being sober it's like all parts of me are welcome and all parts are kind of integrated and I show up as myself wherever I go there's really only one version of me you know I love that yeah like I don't know like it's just me um mm. and it, it's like well if that if people don't like it that's kind of their problem um I don't know. I don't know. I no, no, you fit like, really well. I know you just remind me on my sober app. Um, it says what why what's your reason to be sober or whatever. And my sober app says the one that I wrote was it because it's my fundamental act of self-love that informs all others. Mm. And it's kind of what you've sort of mirrored to me today. I find it very affirming talking to you because I'm just like, yep, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I felt the same. I felt disconnect between healthy yoga Kate and drinking Kate. And it, it's yeah. all that chasm at some point you can't. feels painful, yeah. right? It feels painful to have a disconnect of self from self and parts of self. Yes, I think that's what it ultimately boils down to. Absolutely. Like I was, yeah, very similar, like really into yoga and spirituality and all the kind of yeah, personal development on the one hand. And then yeah, the drinking and, and the rest of it, it just doesn't just didn't work. Like I just felt, yeah, it just it just didn't work. So when I took the booze out, it was like, okay, I can just be me, um, just be myself. And yeah, it's just really liberating, I think. Yeah, and I love what you said because I I do think that that I think at the at the heart of of this and and definitely the heart of how I feel my story is unfolding is that there are that that sense of connection to self and then and connection to others. Mm. It's that's the stuff of life, isn't it? It's like that is the it's our experience our fundamental kind of our human experience of how we are in the world and if we've got that clarity and like you said it's like there's only one version of me wherever I go there I am in the best possible way Mm. um there's no more hiding and therefore it's almost like it really simplifies things by the sense of it right yeah absolutely no mess no drama life sucks sometimes but then we rebound the, the in training every day showing up with ourselves gives resilience and trust so that's a bit easier and yeah I definitely think it it yeah it's like accepting life on life's terms isn't it it's like yeah just because I'm sober doesn't mean everything is wonderful by mm-hmm. any stretch but it just means I'm living in kind of reality whereas before I would yeah. you know disappear off in kind of booze land or my romantic fantasies and it's like no this is just life um and I think that has really meant my relationships 
certainly my romantic relationship that I have with my partner now is just like very grounded in reality and it's just me there's there's nowhere to hide and but in the in the best way you know um definitely yeah oh well done you and I love like I said I love your book and I think it's going to help so many people I really do I think it's super relatable and you know it's just yeah that sort of it's funny isn't it it's like talking to as well there's it just makes so much sense (laughs) this doesn't it's not dramatic you know and like what we were used to before were all these dramatic crashing stories of Mm. bottoms and dramas and rags to riches and I think for so many of us that was a real uh, a real block to stopping drinking to making the choice to be alcohol free be sober whatever you want to call it Mm. and what I really appreciate and I think you know if if I was starting out trying to get sober and I was younger as well I would so appreciate your book because I'd be like oh you're just like me you know I can you're just like you know you're a normal normal person (laughs) you know not like this you know crazy story and I think we need we just need more of them you know we need to have these chats about the fact that it it can be for everyone you don't have to have some special circumstance you know yeah I think that's for you then Mm. yeah yeah I think at the time it was like yeah it it almost felt like oh it has to be like a really kind of dramatic story like I had to end up in rehab for it to be okay Mm. to kind of be sober but it's like anyone can choose to be sober and alcohol or alcohol free like you don't have to have a problem for it just to be something that you want to do and I just think a big reason why I wrote the book was just to challenge this idea that alcohol is so wonderful and you know it's just so normalized isn't it that that we drink and and it's such an important part of that sort of you know the gray area of of drinking piece where it's you haven't you know because I remember when I first stopped drinking as well and that when I was coming to the point of that Mm. it was like I had it in my head because I'd heard it so many times about rock bottom it was like oh Mm. I was almost waiting for that unequivocal proof of something so awful that I could stick this thing in the sand and go right that that will make me and how dangerous is that and how damaging is Mm. that it's like you don't want to and the further down you get the more confusing it gets so if you've got a slight inkling it's like this can be a really beautiful positive choice right now yeah absolutely I remember reading about like the kind of lift of addiction it's like you get on, on on the top floor and like everything's fine everything's great and then like basically like the bottom is like you know ultimate you know I don't know rock bottom and then death mm. kind of thing but it's like once we get on the ride like we can get off that ride whenever we want to we don't have yeah. to wait do we till it all goes no terrible no. um and yeah that was God definitely forbid. an important piece of my story was like yeah. actually just going to give myself permission just to stop now you know no one's going to tell me no one would ever have told me to stop no one it didn't look terrible you know in any way um but I just knew it it wasn't serving me so yeah and I love that and now you're here you know telling your story and showing up and other people can see that and that gives other people permission and that's I just love that and thank you for doing that you know and thank you for your bravery and your contribution you know for showing up it's just amazing thank you yeah I think 
yeah I was going to say like I I had my moments of thinking like oh I won't do anything with the book you know it's so vulnerable it's so personal mm. um, I'll just you know just keep it on my computer basically <laughs> but I was just like you know if I'd read something like this a few mm. years ago it really could have helped me um, and I wanted to contribute because I've gone so much out of other people's stories and I was like mm. I want to just be a part of that and and help people see that you know being sober can be like such a positive yeah thing basically yeah oh thank you so um what's your uh your tip of the day and your reason to love sober oh yes um (laughs) the day um well I was thinking um a little bit about this and I think my tip of the day in terms of kind of sobriety um is basically just to own it with pride and just be really confident about it I was particularly thinking about kind of younger people who might be in the kind of early days of sobriety and kind of grappling with you know what will other people think of me what my friends think you know just in general like what will people think and I just thought I think the biggest thing is just to just be proud of it and just to own it and not to feel like you have to give any explanation to anyone or go into detail but just you know smile about it be proud about it be confident and you know what anyone else thinks is not your problem mm, I love that yeah 100% own it mm-hmm. yeah and what's your reason to love sober? So my reason to love sober, I think, is just kind of a little bit of what we've spoken about already, but just like the real clarity that you get when you're sober, um, which can just inform every part of your life. You know, you just get so much clarity on what's right for you, what doesn't work for you, and you just kind of know it's just you're more able to follow your intuition and to know like what's right just that clarity I think is probably the biggest thing for me Mm, I love that it's like yeah you get really attuned to your compass don't you you know where you know when you get off track really quickly you said that before didn't you yeah you can go oh okay no I need to adjust it's like you can adjust things and tweak things so much more skillfully because you've got that clarity yeah like you still might get off track like I get off track still you know but you're going to be so much quicker at bringing yourself back into balance Mm. and knowing what works for you definitely yeah and you can and I think you can put that down to learning as well and Mm. you can have that self-compassion because it's like I didn't get off track because I got pissed and blacked out because and that gives you that all those feelings of shame doesn't it Mm. you were talking about it's we're so you know, because our brain chemicals are all over the place and then that internal critic just can beat beat us up so much. Once you remove that, it's like, well, I'm allowed to make mistakes and I'm allowed to learn and I can be so much more compassionate. Yeah, you're so much more able just to kind of be kind to yourself, you know, definitely like just a much kinder way to live, you know, without that shame. It's beautiful. I love that kind way to live. (laughs) right so if you're immediately concerned about your drinking just reach out send up a flare um get in touch with us at hello at lovesober.com find one of the sober forums that you vibe with there's so many out there these days so you know know that you're not alone go and pick up a copy of rachel's book where is it 
where where can people get your book so it's on amazon um, yeah be available globally um yeah so amazing so <laughs> radically sober by rachel may on amazon and uh yeah and we'll see you next week for more chat <laughs>